Bell, welcome back. Hey, that gets better and better each time. I hope our listeners appreciate that, uh, that intro. As much as we do. Yes. You're listening to the Icon Performance Health Podcast, mate. Things are... Uh, Under uh, the bar. ...bubbling along really nicely down there at the Icon Performance Centre. Mate, we had, uh, we had Strength Mafia the other week. Went very well. I think yeah. we had 25-plus attendees, which is a big turnout for mm. the first gig. And really took advantage of that lovely outdoor space. Had the car park, you had the tyre flips going, the battle ropes, there were deadlifts out there. There were yeah, little there. farmers carry on the side. You had the weighted vests and people doing continuous squats, all yep. kinds of things. Awesome. Really, uh, Bells and whistles, Tom. It was exciting. And, and bells and whistles. It just, it's got a really nice vibe around that place. Yeah, everyone who's in there is very friendly. There's yeah, a nice know, family feel. something you, are, you and I haven't had for a while, so yeah. it's nice to be part of that, uh, that, that team. and uh, Everyone's there enjoying themselves. It's yeah. quite refreshing. That's what it's Love all about. It. Big show coming up today, mate. Really mate. looking forward to this one. You got a sneaky email from uh, CP the other yeah, day. Well, you know, uh, a big fan. We're still waiting to get his regular segment on. I'll keep hustling him. For Maybe he's just trying to throw us off the scent. Yeah, yeah. throw us a bone. But uh, yeah, uh, gave me a, sent me an email. Said uh, basically, uh, Jeff Servan, Navy SEAL. His uh, thrive, his uh, nutritional concept. Uh, yeah. So basically, uh, Jeff Servan, like you said, he's a Navy SEAL. Yeah. And uh, we'll talk to him about what it's like being a SEAL and what it takes to yeah. get there. But he's also he's got his own facility yeah. in in the states, and this behavioural based nutrition course. Yeah, really cool stuff. Where essentially, one who's undertaking the course, each module can only be unlocked once you've demonstrated that you've actually habitualized whatever mm. that behavior is for that particular module exciting so, um, we'll so it's a really nice way to go about implementing sustainable nutritional habits that's and that's thing. what it's all about it's one thing look come and see me come and see you we'll get you in shape sure but it's it's not necessarily uh, specifically yeah. yeah educating the or changing the lifestyle long term so that's where he uh, he's really developed that concept. So we'll talk to Jeff Servan later in the show about his system for nutritional compliance. We've got Dan Garner on for segment number two yep. of his uh, nutrition fundamentals, and we're looking at protein. Yeah, had some great feedback, a lot of messages saying they really love what Dan's doing. So yeah. exciting to have him uh, wanting to be part of what we do. But um, yeah, protein, we're going to delve uh, deep into uh, the how and why of protein. Yep. And, and uh, how, how to apply it for the training individual as well. Yep. So that's really exciting. Mate, off the back of um, getting Jeff on the program to talk about his nutritional systems, you and I thought, well, we may as well chuck a bone out there and actually just give a brief synopsis as to, I guess, the systems that we individually use. I mean, we're, we're dealing with different clientele these days. Yeah. And obviously, there's always going to be different people that require different things. But if we generally look at the general client that we've yep. got, we'll break down how we go about the nutrition yeah, design. St- the staples, you know, base supplements, stuff like that. It might be uh, beneficial for our listener to hear what we do. Yep. If you'd like to contact the show, please feel free to do so. Podcast at iconph.com.au. That's really meaty. Yes, very. All right. So you these days, exclusively IFBB competitors. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, there's a few slip through the cracks, but uh, yeah, that's where I'm investing most of my time. Okay. So someone comes in and you get ready to sort them out with their nutrition plan. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got a goal in mind that they're working towards. Yes. Run us Identify over. their goal. Yep. Yep. Let's run us over the fundamentals that you do. Okay. Uh, Nutrition-wise, we start basically 
without giving too much away. I've got to keep a few uh, cards close to the chest. But basically, work out their calorie uh, needs. Yep. Um, factoring in um, their NEAT, non-exercise activity, uh, base level BMR. Workout training, non-training day, design the nutrition accordingly. Um, I get them to commit to a certain time of training. One thing that I, I do insist is that they train at the same time uh, every day. Mm-hmm. I really see benefit in, in establishing uh, habits and, and uh, rituals. And uh, okay, it's 6 p.m. at night, bam, that's when I'm in training mode. Not okay, some days I'm at you know, 8 a.m. in the morning, some at midday. So it's really hard to get the body into a routine. I think yeah. routine is king. That's really so good. So I really like to establish what I, what I call a sleep-wake cycle. So their eating times are consistent. They get up at the same time. Even on their down days on, on the weekend, I, I don't advocate, hey, man, sleep in and get behind on all your meals and, and miss your training time. I say, hey, boom, it's just like every other day. You get up at 5.30 a.m. through the week. Weekend, you get up at 5.30, you have your first meal at 6 a.m., and if needed, they can have a relax through the day, have a nana nap. I know, uh, you know, my day. Once upon a time, I did micro sleep quite a lot, Tom. But, yes. but these days, I do just flop onto the couch and, um, you know, have a snooze if if I need to. But the but the, uh, I still start my day starts at the same, same time. time. So I think that's really important for certainly my demographic, general yeah. pop, a little bit different. But yeah. so I establish that calorie intake, non-training training day. Uh, get the meeting and and feeding. I guess get that consistency set up. So nutritionally, you know, hitting a certain protein target, uh, then look at uh, carbohydrates around training, and then uh, then I make up fats for the rest. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's essentially what I do in the first phase of uh, of uh, programming. I get them to track their weight in that first week, Monday, Wednesday, uh, Friday, Sunday. Basically, if I have set up things uh, correctly, it'll be uh, the weight will be static. So we'll call that an isocaloric uh, nutrition plan. So. Calories are bang on for the energy that they're expending. They're taking enough in and everything stayed the same. If their weight uh, increased, then they were under eating most likely. uh, And now they're eating what uh, energy they actually need uh, for what what they're doing day to day. So they were, uh, which is more often the case, people will generally be under eating. Yep. Certainly for a lot of the females that come in, but it guys as well. And lifestyle will influence that uh, massively. Um, if their weight goes up, that means it was a, a hyper-caloric uh, state. So yep. it was a little more energy than, than um, what they needed at that point in time. But it would also lend itself to perhaps under eating. Uh, and then if the, the weight were reduced, obviously, uh, I didn't, um, it would be a hypocaloric uh, nutrition plan and, and uh, actually underestimated the, the day-to-day activity in that, yep. that, what we call that NEAT, which I refer to the non-exercise activity thermogenesis. So it doesn't really matter what happens in that first week. And then from there, I just change things up and exactly. without telling a listener exactly what I do, but then I progress uh, forward from there, depending on what their end goal is. Right. So essentially, you're going... Let's sort out the calories. I'll give Boom. you what I estimate to be mm-hmm. what I can my best estimation as to your baseline calories. Body weight, male, female, yep. age, all that type of stuff. Let's get this Training sleep frequency. wake sleep wake cycle happening. Set up. Get yep. your body into a routine. Correct. Look at the macronutrients. Set yep. the protein target. Mm. Give you the carbs you need for your training. Make up the rest of those initial calories with the fats. Yep. And then I'm going to track your weight and your body composition, and that will indicate to me what you were doing prior to coming in to see me. Yeah. And, and, and sort of influence where I go from there. But it doesn't really matter. Yeah. I tell them it doesn't matter what happens, happens in the first phase. Week. Okay. It doesn't really matter. So nutrition, that's what I do. What about yourself these days, mate? What are you doing? Well, mate, it's quite similar in terms of what I'm trying to achieve from the first phase of training. So basically, these days I have two categories of clients. There'll be two streams the client will come into, either the beginner, intermediate, or the intermediate to advanced. Yep. 
and that's in terms of training age. Yeah. Within those two training ages, then there'll then be two streams of client. It'll either be the robotics or the layerers. Robotics. Robotics. Robotics are the ones that you will be classified by greater than 85 cent compliance yep. to the nutritional plan. Layerers are those which haven't established a really good relationship with food and sure. you need to layer certain changes in. Yep. Different to yourself, mate, because you've got IFBB competitors and they are there for a specific result. And mate, I run a tight one ship. One strike and they're out. A tight ship, mate. One strike and they're out. You got that right. Okay. With a robotic. The whole setup for the first month is just for me to establish what their body is going to do. I know that I'll give them a nutrition plan, they'll get up, they'll have the salt and the lime juice, Mm -hmm. they'll hit the first meal, they'll do all the bits and pieces, they'll Mm -hmm. take supplementation, bells and whistles, they'll do it. Mm -hmm. So I'll also give them my best guesstimation as to what baseline calories are for them. Mm -hmm. I'll give them a training program which I know how their body should respond from that and Mm -hmm. then essentially once they've finished that first, first month of training, either their body fat has gone down or their body weight has gone up and relative to their goal they'll either get an increase in calories with an increase in training volume or an increase in training intensity and calories might stay the same or even drop Mm. depending on whether they're going for fat loss or hypertrophy Mm. Mm. for the layerer Mm. very fancy terms Tom (laughs) for the layerer they'll start with three things you have to do yep Water target, mm-hmm. non-negotiable. Yep. Breakfast, I don't necessarily mind what it is. We just have to agree that this is what you're going to eat for breakfast and mm-hmm. then you go and eat it. Third thing is some sort of food diary yes. or nutritional tracking. So at least at the very least, I know roughly how many calories you're eating yes. so that then at the end of that first phase, once again, take their body fat, has the scale weight gone up, has the body fat gone up or down, mm-hmm. figure out whether they've been under-eating or over-eating, and mm-hmm. then at the very least you can say, well, even if you're not eating what you really should be, I know how much you're eating, mm-hmm. so we can at least say a little less of this or a little more of that. Very good. And then they go into their next phase of training, which will either be you know, up in volume and mm-hmm. up in calories mm-hmm. or up in intensity mm-hmm. and level with calories or downing. Basically, you just stick it up and <laughs> stick it up in that second phase. That's good, man. I love uh, I love that two, two, two types of approach. I mean, my eyes did roll. Those general pop clients give them water. It's like, I've got to tell you how to live, you know. But, you know, the reality is that probably most of the the clients out there are that demographic. And, you know, you know yourself, uh, Juan Carlos, uh, obviously, the first thing he does increases water. Uh, Dan, big on water, you know, have such a significant benefit just. Uh, and it gets you massive buy-in. You know, they increase water intake, and all of a sudden they, mm. they feel good. They're sleeping better. Their energy's better. They're not dehydrated when they train. You can actually train a lot harder. Feel fantastic. Yeah. And all they did, all you did, was tell them to drink water. So, now I love that, man. Very good. And I think the similarity between the two of us, even mm. though we're dealing with different populations, is that that first phase of training, you're just trying to get a feel for what their body's going to do. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? If, yes, they have a goal, and you can say, yep, that's realistic or, or not. But it's yeah. not really until you've seen how they react to training and see what they've done with the with the food that you know what they should do Yes. to realistically say, okay, this is where I can take you. For mm-hmm. me personally, I need that first month of training to yeah. really sort of get a feel for the individual. Yep. And then you can you can manipulate things and get all schmancy thereafter. But and, it's, it's about that baseline. And, and I guess for you, like you're actually, most of these guys are actual clients. So they're, you're actually physically seeing them once or twice a week. Yep. So you're actually reiterating, hey, how's the water intake? So mine is more behind the scenes, lots of emails back and forth. Yep. So that does, you know, I do need to, ideally to, and before they can actually work with me, it's a lot of emails back and forth, and I really test the waters, and, yes. and, and, I, and I throw them a, a bit of a curveball, and if they bother to, depending on, it, it, things like depending on how long they actually take to email me back, 
Mm. You know, if they take a few days, then well, I know you know that they're not that serious. If I email them and say, hey, yeah, you know, what are you doing currently? Send me a pic. If if within a couple of hours, I, they tell me what they're doing, they got a pic. Then I know this guy's serious or this girl's really serious, and they do actually want my help. So, yes, yes. Particularly if they send you a shot from behind and they're in a g-string. Well, you know, it does get them a, a foot in that's, the door. That's, that's for sure. That's very Tom. advantageous yes. to working <laughs> with you. Yeah, Unless it's a, a male, but there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> you know, horses for courses, Tom. Well, in the heat of battle, Rodden. Yes. Yes. Anything can happen. No but, one. But. Uh, yeah, no, that's uh, pretty much what I do. And then obviously there's all sorts of schmanciness that happens from there. But I guess between the difference between you and I fundamentally is I've got a tight time frame. So I'm yeah. like, bam, every week, bam, something should happen. Something should happen. Something should happen. Whereas you, a little bit more relaxed. You like to, to get that once a month and you can yep. adjust things from there. So that makes sense. Boom. Under the Bar, the Icon Performance Health Podcast, back here with round two, Dan, two. Dan Garner on the podcast here with us. Keep your ears and uh, eyes out for Engineered Nutrition Systems, his online certification yep. coming yeah. through in around about April, April or thereabouts. Yeah. It really. probably be saturating social media uh, as we speak, but yeah. Yeah, coming up. Exciting stuff. Dan, welcome back. Hey, hey guys, thanks for having me. And if you want to sign up for the Engineered Nutrition Systems email list, just head on over to my Facebook page, Dan Garner, Strength Coach and Nutrition Specialist, and there's an easy sign-up button there to get the latest updates on when the course is coming out, the content, and the guest speakers that we'll be having on board. Awesome. Dan Garner, Strength Coach and Nutrition Specialist. Yes, that, sir. That's a Facebook. Okay. Okay. So, we're going to look at the macros uh, each individually now, and I think today we may as well start it off with protein. Yep. So I think that's Greek, Tom, for uh, first importance. So it's great you're starting with protein. It yes. is Greek. It is from the Greek word proteos for yeah. first importance. Is it the most important macronutrient and why is it so? Yeah, it's absolutely the most important macronutrient. We, we can't live without it. It's, it's essential for survival. They participate in structural capacities, enzyme creation, hormone creation, transporters for all nutrients, immune system function, among many other things. Pro protein, we need to have it every single day. We also need to have fats every single day. We don't necessarily need carbohydrates unless we're talking about fiber, but protein absolutely has to be there. It's found throughout the entire body with over 40% of the body protein found in your skeletal muscle. Could be a little bit more if you're looking like Tom or Rodden. And wow, over 25% found in body organs, <laughs> and the rest is mostly found in the skin and blood. Okay. 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 So, pretty much uh, every uh, physiological function in the body requires protein. Um, For sure. That's fascinating, but uh, at the end of the day, is it going to get me jacked? Do I need to eat protein to get jacked? Yeah, forget this body function yeah, stuff, function, right? function. Is, is my bench press going to go up or what? I, I don't care what's going on inside. I just want to look, uh, yeah. look jacked and uh, pull and push a big number. So protein will do that. Perfect. Yeah, for sure. So <laughs> when it comes to changing your body composition, protein is the most important macronutrient. Okay. It is going to be providing the actual structural basis for what you're going to be doing and the stimulus that you're creating in the gym. So when it comes to protein, it's really easy to remember um, where we've done all, there's all kinds of research available on the topic yeah. and 0 0.8 to 1 gram per pound of body weight is going to be plenty protein for both leaning down and massing up phases. Mm. Um, 0 0.8 being on the lower end for those with a higher body fat percentage and more 1 gram per pound of body weight for those with a lower body fat percentage. 
This is just simply because protein is going to be more essential for lean tissue. A guy who's 200 pounds at 5% body fat is going to need more protein than a guy who's 200 pounds at 40% body fat. Okay, and, for sure. And it's important to note out for protein that more is absolutely not better. So when you're trying to mass up, you're not going to necessarily damage yourself at all from eating more protein than one gram per pound of body weight. But you're also not going to be benefiting yourself either, and you could be displacing other nutrients that could allow you to be more productive in the gym, such as carbohydrates or fats. Mm. When eating a ton of protein above one gram per pound of body weight, it's like any other macronutrient. It can be stored as fat. A lot of people kind of write that off and don't believe so, but it absolutely can be stored as fat. 18 of the 22 amino acid structures have pathways in order to be stored as fat. And okay. on the high protein note, we run into some other problems as well because this is context specific. Excessive protein in the diet relation to carbohydrates can increase your anxiety due to neurotransmitter manipulation. So if you're having a bunch of protein and a lot lower carbohydrates, BCAAs dominate tryptophan in the absorption battle and you're going to overall lower serotonin over time. So if you're just prone to being prone to anxiety and prone to nervousness, going really really high in your protein is not going to not only not benefit your body composition, but it can also increase the anxiety that you currently have. Wow. And on top of the high protein note, if you eat enough protein and you're trying to go low carb, like say paleo or trying to do a keto diet or get into ketosis, mm. high protein can very efficiently convert into carbohydrates. And it's mm. even been demonstrated in research that 100 grams of protein can be converted into 57 grams of glucose. Okay. Yeah, really. All right. Yeah. So let's put those numbers into, okay, for our US listeners, they can understand the, the pound per kilo i think it was one one, one gram, gram per, per pound per pound so about two you, you say about two grams around two 2.2 grams per kilo uh if we're using um metric that's right yeah that's yeah. exactly right yeah okay cool okay dan so just to dispel the myth that eating excessive protein has, uh, the kidneys has some sort of harmful effect on the body apart from the the points that you've just outlined in terms of your anxiety and then misplacing other macronutrients that could be more useful to you and excessive yeah. energy turned to fat turned to fat your good point Rawdon is there any potential harm in eating excessive amounts of protein only if you have a pre-existing kidney issue okay so if you have a pre-existing kidney issue kidneys are more important than pecs unfortunately yeah. so but then I think the the interesting point here is Dan is that what you're outlining and we, we spoke to Menno Henselmans who mm. outlined a similar similar sorts of numbers the amount of protein that you actually need is really a lot less than what we've all sort of grown up believing is to be the case yeah yeah that's absolutely true and it's also less than the lay person thinks that they need to eat in order to build muscle mass Having yeah. one gram per pound of body weight or 2.2 grams per kilo of body weight, that's pretty easy. Adding a protein source in at every meal is not excessive and it's very doable for the lay person or the advanced person. Mm. And when you actually, when you break down the numbers, and I've done this, and you actually weigh out the portions of protein that you need to hit that target, it's, it's not a lot, it's, it's less than a fistful really on, that's on your plate. It's not a huge amount of protein. Yeah, it's less than a fistful. If you're eating five meals per day, you only need 40 grams of protein per meal. That's that's maybe a fist or a scoop of protein. It's, it's nothing yeah. serious at yeah. all. Now, Dan, with these numbers, what are the circumstances in which 
you, you've mentioned obviously a high muscle mass requires more protein because there's more lean tissue. What about with a beginner trainer or someone who's training twice a day? Are yeah. these circumstances where you could argue to have more protein? Yeah, so there, you could theorize with beginners and with advanced trainees different ends of the spectrum. So beginners, are their protein synthesis is very large at this point in time, meaning they're building a lot of muscle mass per workout. Everybody knows about newbie gains. You can put on a substantial no. amount of mass in your first year of training than you are going to in your tenth in your tenth year of training. Yes. So yeah. in this case, it does make a lot more sense to err on the higher end of the protein per pound of body weight or per kilo of body weight recommendation because you're simply building more muscle mass. Yeah. But at the other end of the spectrum, when you're an advanced trainee, it also makes sense that you can have less protein yeah. per pound of body weight and be on the smaller end of the spectrum because protein synthesis rates are much smaller after yeah. a given training session. And when it comes to protein balance in the body, so protein balance just means how much protein you have in your body at the end of the day. When it comes to protein balance, Protein synthesis, which is the actual creation of muscle tissue and the synthesis of organ tissue and stuff like that, but for the purpose of this discussion, synthesis of muscle tissue, that has a much bigger effect on net protein balance than protein breakdown. It's pretty easy to fight away protein breakdown and it's very hard to increase protein synthesis, especially mm. if you're an advanced trainee. So there's no research on it. But it, it definitely makes sense that you could err on the lower side of the spectrum if you're an advanced trainee, which really goes against the current dogma that's out yeah, there. Yeah. And and on the higher end of the spectrum, if you're a novice trainee. Okay. I would uh, certainly agree with my own body composition, I suppose, of late. Like I've reduced to uh, three larger meals a day, protein in each of those, and uh, you know what, four or five hours, good five hours between drinks type thing. And uh, my muscle mass, if anything, I'm a bit heavier. You know, my, my, my weight's gone up. Mm. You know, so yeah, it does the, certainly. The net protein balance at the end of the day is yeah, matters the, for you. The, the, yeah. What matters, but then it would be a lot less than what I have done in the past. Yeah. You know, like it's I wouldn't say far beyond um, what you're describing there. That mm. at 100 kilos, about two twenty two forty grams of protein a day. So yeah, yeah definitely yeah. with 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 me individually, I definitely mm. uh, agree with that. Okay, Dan, let's really test out these uh, layman's credentials of yours. <laughs> um, okay, so protein, I'm assuming at its base level is an amino acid, and this process of protein synthesis is how we build organs and muscle tissue. Can you explain how that system actually works? What, what's happening and, and what induces protein synthesis? There are a lot of different things that can induce protein synthesis, such as metabolic stress, which is done training in the gym and gaining the big pump feeling that you're getting from the gym. It is created through mechanical tension in the gym, which is simply a larger amount of weight creating a bunch of tension yeah. on the muscle. And there goes through a lot of signaling pathways where you're creating the stimulus in the gym and there's intracellular signaling inside the muscle that tells the brain, okay, we need to build muscle mass right now or when next time we're subjected to this kind of weight or if he wants to go heavier next time, we're going to get injured. So it's an adaptive mechanism from the body and intracellular signaling for the purpose of muscle mass, there's a few things that need to be in check. So there's the various ways that you can do it through training, such as metabolic stress and mechanical tension. Mm -hmm. 
And there's also other things that need to be in check though as well from the nutrition perspective, such as having adequate protein, like leucine, for example. Protein is 22 amino acids put into one molecule, but leucine is a particular amino acid that when it is present in higher amounts within meals can stimulate the mTOR pathway and this stimulates muscle growth. And a lot of other things also need to be in check as well because even with leucine and even with training and even with all the perfect protein timing things in the world, if you're not eating the appropriate amount of calories per day, then the signaling is going to be off. Yeah. So there's two main signalers in the body that are determining really what's going on and we could talk for hours about the two of them, mainly mTOR and AMPK mTOR governing all things muscle and strength building whereas AMPK is really governing things fat loss and endurance building and if you're in a hypocaloric state so you're eating less calories than you're expending per day for the purpose of losing weight mm -hmm. it's going to be very difficult to stimulate the muscle building pathways so yes we need calories yes we need the right amount of protein and we do need the stimulus in the gym as well and this is all governed basically by intracellular signaling pathways created in the muscle when it's the right environment has been presented. That's the best way to put it. If you create the right environment, then these pathways are going to set off. Okay. So that right environment, you spoke about uh, leucine uh, being a key driver on mTOR and, and I guess the signaling for protein synthesis and growing new muscle tissue. You've created the, the stimulus through mechanical or metabolic stress in the gym. Great tick. We've left the gym. We've, we've consumed uh, protein. Now, is there a, a, a threshold? I think it's about 30 to 40 grams of protein where you're going to have enough three to five grams of leucine. So you're going to signal... Uh, the signal's there for that anabolic pathway to be initiated. Protein synthesis can then occur. Is that something to be aware of? Like I, I know, and I have done this in the past, you know, I'll drop uh, an individual's protein down to, you know, 20 grams of protein a meal, small serves of protein, but surely then uh, you, you're not getting the, the leucine content, you're not getting that signaling for, at the very least, maintaining muscle mass when in a hypocaloric state. Do you have to have a, a minimum intake of protein mm -hmm. per meal? There is a suggested 0.045 to 0.06 milligrams per kilogram of body weight leucine intake taken in per meal in order to elicit proper muscle protein synthesis response for the purpose of building muscle growth. So yes, absolutely, you do need a muscle protein synthesis response within the meal and it is governed by the amount of protein that you take in per meal. Having said that, the amount of protein you take in per day is light years more important than the amount you're taking in per meal. So net yeah. protein balance is still going to be positively affected if you're getting it in smaller amounts or larger amounts. And to get the protein synthesis response, for younger people, you don't need as much as older people. Older people tend to have diminishing muscle protein synthesis responses to meals to where they need a higher, a higher amount of protein per meal than a younger person does to create the same muscle protein synthesis response. So where a younger person might only need 20 grams of protein per meal to elicit proper muscle protein synthesis, an older person might need 40 grams per meal. And it sounds like you would need to increase your protein, but you don't need to increase your protein if you're in this age category, which is typically 50 and above. 
just have less meals per day. So like what you're doing right now, Rodden. Bring right. it down. Oh. Keep it up. Are oh, you talking about old people and your signal me out? It's very appropriate enough. what you're doing, Rodden. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're an old guy like Rodden, <laughs> bust things down. <laughs> true, true. Right. Okay. Fascinating. So, right. so, so net protein is still the key factor but for the older person to get the, the same response from the meal. They need a larger quantity. Yes, that's correct. I mean, when we're talking about muscle growth, we're really just in a constant battle. And the constant battle is muscle protein synthesis versus muscle protein breakdown. So how much time are you spending building muscle and how much time are you breaking down muscle? Training is inherently catabolic, so there's nothing we can do about it. Although the stimulus is anabolic, the actual process of it is catabolic. So you're breaking tissue down during training. Mm -hmm. So my job as a nutrition guy is to create more muscle protein synthesis and less muscle protein breakdown over the course of an entire day. And what increases muscle protein breakdown? Well, we have stress, we have poor sleeping patterns, alcohol, Overtraining, overreaching, suboptimal meal plans, these all increase muscle protein breakdown. But when it comes to muscle protein synthesis and building muscle mass, this is where intelligent meal plans, good quality sleep, proper training, proper recovery of strong immune system, because the immune system is very important for building muscle mass, and a healthy endocrine system, because you need testosterone, IGF-1, and these things present in order to get maximal results. These things all increase muscle protein synthesis. So when you understand protein metabolism, you need to make sure that you're winning that battle at all times. Beautiful. Okay, one final question, Dan. So there's 22 amino acids that make up protein. Does it matter if it's uh, tofu, pea protein, whey protein, steak? Yes, so ideally you would get your amino acid and your protein sources from animal quality proteins because these are complete proteins. But having said that, there is an abundance of research now showing that it really doesn't matter. So you can get your protein from any source and that you're still going to get similar results. But from a health perspective and from the ability to create a larger muscle protein synthesis response, you still want to have animal quality proteins. They also have a higher efficiency rating too. Animal quality proteins from a digestibility standpoint come in at about 95% efficient, whereas vegetable quality proteins come in around 85% efficiency. So well, one, on one, the, one on more the thing that, you know, as well, timing does matter as well now that um, I've thought about it for a second because we, when it comes to nutrient timing and protein timing, when we're doing the battle of muscle protein synthesis and muscle protein breakdown, we want to decrease any breakdown possible. So yes, animal proteins and meats are recommended throughout the day, but having casein before bed absolutely makes sense because it digests seven plus hours providing the bloodstream with amino acids for entire duration while you're sleeping Mm. and therefore preventing muscle protein breakdown while you're sleeping. Um, This actually is a very viable strategy and makes complete sense in the research. Okay, Okay. so would you, uh, while you mentioned that, I guess that nighttime fasted, traditionally fasted state that most would exist in, uh, you know, breakfast like a king blah 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 you know have a small meal at at bedtime type thing what i tend to do with my uh and from what i've known people i've spoken to uh, like yourself you know if we're in the business of building muscle and it occurs over a 24 hour you know 48 hour uh, period when we apply the stimulus you know those subsequent hours we're going to be 
uh, requiring uh, amino acids to rebuild, repair, you know, uh, net protein balance, it would make sense that, you know, eight hours without any uh, calories or, or nutrients going in, uh, if you're in the business of maximizing hypertrophy for the individual, it would make sense to have uh, a decent amount of calories before they retire to the bed and, and casein obviously would be great but it, it, again if they can't tolerate casein some sort of protein and fat source you know to slow the absorption down would that uh, make sense in, in in your eyes yeah this is absolutely correct um, we're so of course calories and macronutrients are number one and that is the biggest and most impactful components towards body composition change and athletic performance but if you're looking to get a hundred percent of the results of everything that you're doing and not a given percentage of the results then yeah timing and type does matter because muscle building doesn't happen in the two-hour window post-workout it yeah. happens 24 mm. hours a day and beginner the the anabolic window per se for a beginner can be three to four days and this is enhances something which is known as the fractional synthetic rate so the mm. fractional synthetic rate is just a way in which scientists use to measure muscle building after a given training session and the amount of volume and intensity and your frequency all these things matter towards what type of fractional synthetic response you're going to get from a given workout but the most important thing just to understand from this is that the fractional synthetic rate is a rate at which scientists measure muscle building and that happens for 24 hours a day for se it can be several days mm -hmm. so how do we maximize muscle growth we provide the bloodstream with amino acids 24 hours a day so you're not going to get any advantage from bolus dosing protein pre-workout or bolus dosing protein post-workout your best advantage from protein is coming from having available amino acids in your bloodstream 24 hours a day mm, okay. mm. and I, I guess for someone if you're training five days a week then essentially the fractional synthetic rate is ticking over 100 percent of your existence yes absolutely and if you're a very advanced trainee this window can be short which is why nutrient timing comes a lot more important as mm. you get more advanced yeah. and it's less important as you be as you're a novice because like i said for a novice trainee you can be in your uh technical anabolic window for, for three to four days whereas yeah, an advanced yeah. training is going to be much much shorter yeah. than that okay so you can spend your entire week in the anabolic window mm. where you need to always be providing the body with amino acids and yes. making sure your meal timing and any strategy that you can take in mm. to maximize this process it's not something that you're going to see tomorrow it's something that you and your twin brother if you both started today and then you were to measure your results one year from now you would have better results one year from now for taking care of things like this yeah, yeah. okay so net protein balance is king protein pre-bed would be a good idea if you want to maximize hypertrophy and uh, nutrient timing does matter for advanced and beginning uh, beginner athletes. And, and wouldn't it be good to be a beginner again? Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> well, yeah, I think that's uh, that's protein nicely wrapped up in a little package there. Thanks for that, Dan. Thanks, Dan. We'll talk to you next time. For sure, guys. There he was, Dan Garner. Uh, you can contact him on uh, Facebook, Dan Garner, strength coach and nutrition specialist. Under the Bar, the Icon Performance Health podcast. 
Ruden, we make reference to Charles Poliquin from time to time on the show. We've learned a lot CP. from him over the years. And uh, fortunately enough, mate, he's you know quite supportive of what we do here on the podcast and various other yep. things. Yep. He sent you an email the other day um, with an idea for an interview guest. Yeah, he's pretty much, you got to get this guy on. Uh, so, yeah, here, here we are today. And... Um, had a little bit of a sniff around, and he's a very interesting guy. Yeah, this I'm should sure be, listener. be fascinating. I'm sure anyone who's done a few of the Pollock and courses, and yes. you and I have done several over the years, yep. he's always referencing uh, stuff he does with special yeah. forces or he- the Navy SEALs. Hanging out with the SEALs. You know, you know the, uh, SEAL tra- Team 6. Yeah, training with uh, thick bars and thick yep. implements. You know, the SEAL boys have got to be able to run and jump and pull themselves yep. up on a yep. helicopter with a 40-kilo backpack. So yep. he'll get them doing weighted chins on the thick bars and stuff yep. like that. Yep. Yep. He talks about the you know cognitive function. Yeah, he often references that. Yeah, having to stay uh, awake and alert for you know extended periods, 72 yeah. hours at a time. Yep. So he's got developed the old focus response product mm-hmm. and, and those kinds of brain. stuff. Yes. And just, uh, I guess, neurotransmitter profile in general. Yeah. You know, Charles always sort of references those dopamine-driven yeah. uh, humans as the special kind, the small percentage of humans yeah. that actually would ever consider becoming a special <laughs> forces or a yeah. SEAL, let alone actually make it through the process yeah. to, to get there. So we're fortunate enough to have um, an ex-Navy SEAL on the line with us. Yep. His name is Jeff Servan. He's the, also the owner of Trident Athletics, which is primarily a CrossFit gym based out of South Dakota over there in the States. CrossFit, yep. He's trained numerous NHL and NFL players, and he's got yeah. a, a really interesting uh, nutritional course out as well. Yeah, yeah, you spoke about that. We had a little look at this. It sounds yeah, fascinating. It, it's, I like um, it. You know, there are a myriad courses out there on the market, but this one's behavior-based. So mm. from what I understand, you have to sort of uh, adopt a specific nutritional habit. Yep. And uh, until you can demonstrate that habit is locked in, you, you won't then be able to progress, progress to, on. to, to yeah. the next module. So... Really awesome. fascinating. We've got him on the line now from Arizona, I believe, at the moment. Yeah. Jeff, thanks for your time, mate, and welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. So, awesome. mate, I, I'm assuming you're a, a very well-conditioned, strength athlete kind of person. Before you joined the SEALs, then you obviously would have gone through the process of physical mm. conditioning to do what you did there. Yep. You've then come out of that. You've opened up your own facility. So, no doubt, strength and conditioning has been a massive part of your life. Could you give us a little snapshot or an overview of your career yeah, and how it all happened? progressed through, you know, the kind of work you did with Charles and all that kind of stuff? Sure, sure. So I'll start with the most common perception is that everybody wants to believe that if you were a Navy SEAL that you swam in high school or, you know, every guy that you know that's strong, well, they were just born that way. Yeah. Yes. When I was in high school, I was what Charles would call... A skinny, whining twerp. <laughs> With no doubt, so, no- noodle arms. Yeah. yeah, that was me. I mean, I'm six feet tall. In high school, I was about 145 pounds. So wow. yeah. I, I, I wasn't swole. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Yep. Um, I was always into fitness. And like everybody else in fitness, it, it's almost like there's a program out there designed to lie to you. You read these magazines and everything in it just doesn't. <laughs> work (laughs) and pretty much so i i went down that road all through high school i was always diligent about working out i joined the seal teams just to find out i was in the bottom 10 percent of uh physical capabilities and i had to learn things the hard way um because i had no reserve in strength or conditioning for anything so i just had to be uh, i mean lack of better term harder than yeah whatever the test was. Right. Um, fast forward through my time in my career, I, I did deployments, blah, 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 the training, um, uh, 
pretty pretty straightforward. And at some point in there, I was just tired of the bullshit that we got lied to about all these programs. So I said, you know what? We're the best operators in the world. We need people on our level in strength conditioning. Who's the best in the world? So obviously, I found Charles. Yeah. And I came to this guy, I did consults, and, and from day one, the first time I spoke to Charles, he kept emailing me back, calling me back, and I've had a, a, a long uh, relationship with Charles, and he's more or less uh, founded all my base knowledge on strength conditioning, and it completely reworked what I thought we were doing in the SEAL teams as far as what we need to do to prepare. Um, and it got to the point so much where I would spend so much of my day on the strength conditioning and, and helping out my teammates with it when they're, they would be like, hey, you're gonna go on deployment to here. They're like, man, I'm just trying to get down, you know, like uh, a picture ready. I'm like, yeah. I, I can't eat meal timing in Iraq. And they're like, are you insane? Do you know what you do for a living? You are going and you're not coming back for six months. I'm like, what am I gonna eat, man? I'm gonna get fat. And they're like, oh, are you, you're going, stop talking. And then it, it came to the point where being a SEAL got in my way. I'm like, I can't be gone 300 days a year and be strong and be lean and all this stuff. I'm like, I gotta get rid of this shit. So the transformation came from being a SEAL to being in strength conditioning. And I wanted to do things so much my way. And I started with such a small budget that the only way it was gonna happen is your typical CrossFit gym story. And I love CrossFit for that because they give everybody a chance to get going. You don't have to have a couple hundred thousand dollars to start a really nice gym like yeah. uh, like your guys' gym yeah, yeah. or something like that. Anybody can open up a CrossFit gym and that's exactly what I did. And I just paid attention to people. The first five members that I ever got, I still have today. Wow. Um, How many years first, later? Go ahead. How many years later? Uh, we're at year six. Very good. Yeah. Um, and, and it worked out great. Do we do CrossFit? Well, I don't know what you call CrossFit. I mean, some people think CrossFit's anything with a barbell or a dumbbell. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, we do CrossFit. Do we do what some others imply is CrossFit is in completely random haphazardness? Yeah. Absolutely not. Yeah. Another thing is we're also very clear on where you fall in the hierarchy. There's, there's a huge difference between training professional athletes and training amateur athletes and training people who just want to improve fitness. And I think the most important and distinct thing that we do is we put you into one of those categories and we train you appropriately. So if you're 65 and you come into my gym, you will not be doing back squats if you're gonna be a two day a week yeah. uh, client. Yep. Whereas yep. I have a 16 year old uh, kid, great kid. He's a sprinter. Uh, you better believe he does back squats. Yeah. So, uh, oh, anyways, to get on, to get on with the story. Um, and then I started uh, working with Ian Danny and uh, Ian Danny's a, a really successful NFL, NHL uh, strength coach. And um, I started working with him for the off season. And then that 
somehow transitioned into me going back and forth uh, between the two and then somewhere in the process. I was so sick and tired of having the 40 most basic nutritional conversations that everybody has to know that I video recorded them and made a course out of it. And that's, that's where Thrive spawned from. All right, so that's the, the, the evolution of Jeff. So Jeff, I'm uh, really fascinated about your time in the in the seals and what you're referring to. Then it sounds like in the early days, maybe there wasn't as much structured strength and conditioning going on, and, and maybe the focus on nutrition wasn't a, as advanced as it could be. I, I would agree with that, and not because anything anyone else is doing in the teams. Maybe it was just my awareness to it. Yeah. But you know, when I was young, I was a pretty uh, hard-headed guy, and. Uh, I didn't know very much about nutrition and what I knew about nutrition was from bodybuilding.com um, in terms of uh, things that they were trying to sell. So I I was slightly misguided, but a lot of the SEAL team ideas on training when, when I started was, was geared towards endurance based. And I just don't think that's the most conducive to setting you up for ultimate success as an operator. Yes. And so how much of a role did, you know, specific strength training play for you during your time in the SEALs? Back in the day, yeah. Uh, As my career progressed more and more to the point where it was the larger percentage of my time. Yeah. um, But the way the SEAL teams are structured is everybody has organized PT or training um, from basically seven to nine. So you, you come together in the morning, you guys talk about the day till about 7.15, maybe 7.30 on a really long day, and then you're cut loose yeah. to go do whatever form of fitness you want to three days a week and then two days of the week you do structured group training, which it's always what's called a swim run. So you'll swim a mile and then run four and everybody, it's SEAL team style. So everybody gets on a line and everybody races and it's a down and back format. So you run out two miles and you come back two miles. So you see who the winner is and you see who the losers are. Yeah, right. So it, it really inspires you to, to do the best that you can. Um, but outside of that, nothing was really structured. Jeff, with uh, when you found that you you were more structured in the later years, the more you learnt doing a lot of uh, mentorship via Charles, uh, did you find that the performance with those runs and swims and, and you know you you spoke about that it wasn't necessarily the best way endurance training? Did you find when you changed your training, adopted more perhaps periodization and, and strength training uh, as opposed to endurance? Did you see a, a, an improvement in your performance? Absolutely. So performance is, as a operator, as we'll call it, in my opinion, you're better off setting yourself up to do something like heavy set of lunges or something relatively like that than per se running. There's more carryover because as much as people want to believe that you're going to run for 20 miles and is it a possibility? Sure. The more likely and times you'll be doing are things like doing lunges or day-to-day yeah. activities of just general strength training yep. that you'll be a stronger person. It's not like training for uh, short track speed skating where you know the, the, the events, you know the duration, you know the date, 
you don't know anything. Don't know so anything. to get really yeah. specific is <clears throat> pretty tough. Mm. Jeff, did you find that you mentioned you were a pretty skinny kid growing up and obviously when you're in the SEALs you had to do all that endurance. cardio and endurance stuff. Were you able to put on muscle mass during that period of time with your, your strength training? Well, no. <laughs> yeah. In the in that process of training, you run so much. And even though I probably got stronger, but you got to remember, I wasn't a strong kid to begin with. So that's not saying very much. That's not saying I went from a 240 kilo back squat to a 280 kilo back squat. Yeah. That's like, you know, saying I went from six pull-ups to 16. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. All relative. <laughs> I, I find it extremely difficult is what I think you're driving out here to do long duration activities all the while getting stronger. Yes. While we're talking about this, Jeff, is there, uh, from the your superiors, or was there a pre, a required weight you had to be? Like, is, are you left to your own um, means, or is it like, okay, we need you at uh, a certain body weight to be a Navy SEAL, or is that side of things policed from um, your superiors? It's not necessarily police from your superiors. It, it's somewhat self-selecting in that the job uh, calls to a certain body type and the tasks call to a certain body type. Yep. Um, you know, to get at the question, I would say 70 to 90% of, of most guys are roughly six feet tall and roughly 180 to 200 pounds. If you get too much above that, you're packing too much muscle mass around. Yep, yep. Um, and you got to pack, you got all kinds of other stuff. You're just too slow. And if you're any less than that, you're just not strong enough to manhandle somebody. I mean, you got to remember, you're going to kick a door and go face to face with somebody. Do you want to do that? Is a 160 pound guy that can essentially only deadlift 80 kilos? <laughs> yeah, no. No way, not. man. No way. Or do you want to be able to, you know, power snatch 80 kilos for reps and sets and then kick that door down? 100%. 100%. Jeff, when you're in that situation, you're ready to kick a door down or you're in a life life and death sort of thing and the adrenaline's pumping, like, do you think back to your training? Does the amount that you can power snatch sort of flash through your brain and you think, oh, I've got this? Or are you in sort of a, you go into kicking door down mode and, and nothing sort of crosses your mind? Yeah. Somewhere in between, uh, I would say one thing that all SEALs have in common is that they're really good at lying to themselves. So yeah. <laughs> think about, I'll reference it back to weight training. Think about adding, you know, everybody's done it. You're going to go for a new PR in whatever lift, and for some reason you think you need to add 20 kilos to it, and you've convinced yourself that that's a good idea and that you can do it, when in reality you should have added two to five kilos to it to break a new PR. Yeah. Seals are just really good at convincing themselves like, yeah, throw 20 kilos on each side of this. This is going to be a huge PR. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> the, the trick is you got to actually do that PR now. So you, you do refer back to training, but at the same time, you have to take things for what they are and, and, and not let the outside things affect you. You know, in the, in the situation of kicking the door down, you basically have two steps. One, kick the door. Two, step in and shoot. Which, yep. if we took it all out of context, could you kick a door down? 
any day of the week, right? Yeah. And could you step in and shoot if, if you knew it was laser tag? Absolutely. Yeah. It's all just stuff that you create in your mind is roadblocks. Mm. Wow. And Jeff, when you were in those situations, did you actually ever experience fear? Or is your you know, neurotransmitter type or your brain just not wired for that? Or, or you know, the Navy, Navy SEALs in general, like is that a, a prerequisite for the SEALs? They are just legitimately fearless or in the heat of battle, uh, so to speak? Well, that's a good question. I can definitely tell you that there's been plenty of times in my life when I've been scared. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know if it's the thing that you're focusing on. Mm. Yeah, you got a job to do, uh, I suppose. You know, like if you're going to do contest prep, you're like, oh man, this is gonna suck, but it's gonna be awesome. Yeah. It's it's essentially like that. Yep, yep. Jeff, with a, with a huge, obviously, um, a lot of our uh, listeners are coaches and they work with uh, clients and competitors. You, mean, you mentioned uh, uh, some athletes uh, you obviously work have worked with in the past. Uh, one of the, uh, the tricks to nutrition is uh, obviously getting the energy equation correct. And um, you know, one of the things is that uh, is a key player is that non-exercise activity, you know, or, or the actual training that they may do. They might do once a day, twice a day, and factoring in the calories burnt. I mean, you with the training on those days for the seals, where you are doing the run and the swim, and the you know this between seven and nine. Like, how much of an emphasis is uh, like the nutrition side of things? Are you just like, um, okay, there's the the canteen, go eat whatever you want, or is there an emphasis on nutrition? Do you guys in the have nutritionists that are working with you, uh, giving you, you know, uh, an idea of what sort of calories you need to consume for the day, or? You just eat when you're hungry like how does i'm just curious how that side of things works because i would assume the the energy expenditure for what you guys were doing uh in uh training would be phenomenal but then also perhaps when you're out on um on a mission somewhere like how much of an emphasis is put on nutrition because i would think if you were uh, you know no fuel in the tanks your cognitive function would go and you know, kicking that door down if you don't have any glycogen loaded would be a, a challenge in itself. Like, how much of an emphasis is, is nutrition with the, with the Navy SEALs? Okay, with the individual, it's high. So uh, I'll address this in, in training terms and then in individual terms. Yeah, cool. In, in training terms, it's, it's high in the sense that they hire a nutritional board of you know, your standard people, get your X servings of grain. Yep. They determined that in a day of training, I don't remember, it was like eight or 10,000 calories was required. Wow. So um, I don't know where they came up with these numbers from, how legit they are. Yep. Um, and then when we would eat, they would portion our food accordingly. And then there was pressure on us to eat a minimum of that amount of food, okay. which when you're moving at that rate, it's never really a problem. You don't think about it. You just you just jam all that food yeah. down your mouth. I never really thought about it. So maybe it was them doing a really good job at, at giving us the food. Yeah. As far as hydration goes, um, you would fill up a canteen every hour, which is a liter or excuse me, a quart of water. You would drink it and then you would have to hold it over your head upside down to prove that 
you oh, wow. did in fact drink your water. So yeah. water consumption was also high. Um, but once guys progress past training and you're not given the food and the water, which the food isn't exactly the highest quality food. It's not <laughs> organic broccoli, lightly steamed, blah, 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 yeah. you know, it's, yeah. it's ch chow hall style food. Yeah. yeah. Uh, guys get a lot more into it, I think, in the, in the um, individual side. And the team is really good about supporting that and giving guys the time to eat. You know, for example, if after our morning uh, long runs, they would give us time to run out and go get something if we forgot to bring something. Yep. Or um, guys take it pretty seriously. But as you can imagine, anytime you get a group of guys together, there's differing opinions on on what's what's best and yeah. and whatnot. But everybody's more or less on the same page of it's important. And, yeah. and what about when you are uh, on a mission somewhere? Like, uh, what do you do then? Like, they give you really calorie dense rations. Like, how does that all work? So, it depends on where you are. But I mean, you might be in the middle of literally the wild, wild west, and you might have some MREs, which are meals ready to eat, prepackaged meals that are extremely high dense uh, calories. Not again, not the best food but the calories are there. You don't get to worry about macros or anything like that. Yeah. Um, the, the, the key thing to realize there is nothing is ever optimal on a SEAL operation. Yeah. Everything is going sideways. So you are gonna kick the door, glycogen depleted. You yeah. just gotta be enough of a badass to say that I'm gonna do this glycogen depleted and I can still beat you. I don't care if I don't have any carnitine or yeah. it, whatever it may be, yeah. I'm still going to beat you against all odds. I'm going to do more with less. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the power of the mind. Yeah, exactly. Mind over matter. And no, you are never, ever, ever in an optimal yeah. nutritional state For overseas. Sure. Ever. Yeah. Okay, like uh, transitioning over, you now have the CrossFit club that you mentioned, uh, Trident mm -hmm. Athletics, and you've uh, you collaborated. And um, I think you mentioned at the start uh, before we went on air that Thrive was a, a book, uh, a nutrition book, and now you've made it uh, an online uh, course. Do you want to uh, run through and let us know what that's all about? It's I think um, uh, Tom was suggesting it's a behavioral based and you, you need to sort of complete each uh, task before you move on to the next. Can we have a bit of a chat about that? Of course, of course. So Thrive started off as a book and then coach Chris Summers is a national team gymnastics coach. He's been pumping out uh, national champions for 30 years, I believe. Real smart guy, kind of transformed my idea of a book into a course for, for the simplicity of the user and for higher user interaction and so that people get the most out of it. If you look at uh, uh, the Amazon figures for books purchased to books actually completed and read and steps followed through, it's such a small figure that mm. it, yeah. if your goal is to be a coach and actually create change within people, it kind of crosses off the, the whole concept of writing a book. So I wanted to create something that uh, people could interact with after he shared that information with me. And that's how the course was born. And uh, to reference back to what you were saying about the SEAL team stuff, a lot of that is in the course. For example, um, 
you know, when you talk to Wolfgang, he had, he had spoke about the demand for a supplement and yeah. uh, he wanted to put that together and have the phosphorus in there yep, because yep, yep. the German soils are so depleted. That stuff's great, but in my opinion, that stuff's a little bit later down the road and the people that Wolfgang does deal with are that advanced. But yes. not everybody not everybody is. You don't need to worry about phase two doc detoxification if yeah. you can't answer the following question correctly. Yeah. Question one, do you know that vegetables are healthy or unhealthy? Everybody says, okay. oh, vegetables are healthy. Okay, do you eat enough vegetables or not? And the most inevitable answer that you will get from most people is, no, you know, I probably don't eat enough. So yeah, why yeah. do I need to talk to you any further about nutrition? Why would I even start a conversation with you about phase two detoxification? Yes. That's yeah. I would be doing you wrong as the coach. Yeah. This is interesting, Jeff. And, and like you said, I mean, I guess definitely for Rawdon because he works exclusively now with physique competitors. Yep. Most of the clients who sign up with me have got very specific goals. So in terms of mentally coaxing people into adherence and compliance, it's I guess it's getting less and less away from what we do. But for yourself with a, a CrossFit style gym where numbers are coming in the door and you want to affect change in these people, you need to have obviously mental strategies to get people to, to make healthy choices. So what's the system? Where do you start? So I start at the very beginning. There's, there's basically two tracks that, that you follow. And I've developed this over just, I started talking to people in the gym and asking them to do 10 things. And then I figured out that didn't work. And then I asked them to do one. And with each thing that you ask somebody, you gotta, you gotta give them two things. You gotta give them one, what they gotta do. And you gotta make sure there's no implied steps in there. For example, Today, I want you to count your macros. Well, it's like this person you're talking to may not even know what a macro is. Yeah. So the implied steps there are figure out what they are and figure out how to count them. So you got to give them the step with no implied steps, and then you have to educate them as to the why of that step. Um, so the course goes down systematically from the most important thing you got to do, the the base of the pyramid, uh, step one is to, to reach a water goal. And yeah. it gets more into the course exactly what that is. Um, but the most advanced supplement protocol is useless if you're drinking four ounces of water a day, which yeah. everybody laughs about. But there's a lot of people out there doing that. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. I'll just chime in there, and we interviewed uh, Juan Carlos, who I'm sure you're familiar with. Yeah. And he, um, the first thing he does, the same mate, uh, yeah. just he doesn't change anything. He just gets the clients to they, they come in, and it's okay. I want you yeah. to increase your water intake. That's drink, it. Drink that water and tip it on top of your head. <laughs> yeah. Prove to me <laughs> that you've bottle. drunk it. That's it. So yeah, he does exactly the same, mate, and uh, I certainly enforce it with uh, my clients as well. So you start with the water. What's next? Uh, the next thing is. <laughs> and you guys will know where this came from is to add a healthy fat to breakfast. Yep, yep. very good. Very good. Very good. <laughs> so, on that, in the SEAL teams, there's nothing that we do that we don't first master the basics. So the statement that we always use is crawl, walk, run. Yes, Nine yeah. out of 10 people that aren't professional athletes want to start off running. Yeah. But when you take said person, 
and you fast forward four years and you go look up this this person and this client they've made no progress yeah it's it's all about progress if you've had your your hands on a client for you know a year and 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 they don't look like they've been training hard for a year well what's happened in between that time in terms of the steps and the effectiveness of those steps nobody ever wants to be a beginner but being a beginner is the best thing because that's where the most results come from yeah 100 percent um i don't know how familiar you guys are with uh firearms or shooting guns but there's all kinds of handguns out there. You can get custom molded grips, you can get laser sights, you can get uh, custom trigger pulls and slides, and you can get as customized as you want to. Through my entire career, I used a bone stock, not one modification to it, Sig Sauer. The skill <laughs> is 100% in the user and not the weapon. Yep. And the same applies for nutrition. If we had the last three years of your food journal, what is what is the what is the lowest point? What is the valley? So you have peaks and you have valleys. Maybe you did a competition, maybe you did a couple of them. Those would be the peaks where you'd be most dialed in. Mm-hmm. But what about the valleys? How low do you go? And how low does that bring your overall average? Thrive after it's completed is designed to be your next baseline average for the next 10 or 20 years. Mm. It's, awesome. it's not designed to get you on stage at a negative body fat percentage. Yeah. It's designed to be that stay sub 10%, maybe sub 8% year round baseline program. Mate, that's, yeah. uh, that's such a, so refreshing to hear because the first thing, like I, I do work uh, exclusively with competitors and um, you know they'll come in and, and, and but I'll point blank tell them, I'll, I'll say this is just the nutrition plan to get you shredded for stage. This is not going to be your... Uh, nutritional uh, protocol for the rest of your life uh, as much as I instill things like water intake and and there's a ton of good things with what I do with my clients that I learn in the process but at the end of the day it is exclusively designed to get them leanest you know just get them shredded for stage and that's it once I'm done then they need to revert back to obviously I give them a nutrition plan post if they're wrapping things up with me but you know I think to actually have some somewhere to send them it's like uh, you know, and teach them the, the the core fundamentals because, you know, sometimes, although you know, as coaches we're transparent with what we do, they they're you're not really comprehending what they're doing. They're just sort of following the plan. They might not necessarily be learning the the key fundamentals to, like you said, maintain that um, low body fat percentage for the rest of their life. So, I think that's very refreshing and unique in the industry today. Um, and it sounds like I thought it was uh, like a course for for coaches, but it sounds like it's for everyone. Like uh, general pop, general pop, yeah. yeah. Get onto the thrive and, and actually learn how to um, how to eat and how to exist uh, with uh, you know optimal type uh, body composition long term. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. And you know what you do is very uh, high performance based, getting people ready for stage. That's you know like trying to turn everybody into preseason NFL training. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's just not a, it's not applicable for everybody, but it's awesome, hmm. you know, to, to see those high levels because the cool thing about those high levels is it, and why everybody aspires to step on stage is because it's the pinnacle. It's it's the most advanced. It's the, in that particular sport, extreme discipline. Like, I really got to tip my hat. 
to people yeah. that do that. And but people want to jump up to the pinnacle. It's like, dude, you got to climb the ladder. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, hundred percent. So they start with their water and they have fat for breakfast. You layer them with more habits. What do you? I guess what's the overall nutritional philosophy that you're driving these people towards? Yeah, the the, the message long term. What are they? What are the key fundamentals that they'll take away? So some key fundamentals are you got to meet a water intake goal. I mean, that's just bare minimum. It doesn't matter if you train or you don't train. You got to meet a bare minimum water intake goal. And other than that, I'm pretty much down the middle on just about anything. For example, uh, I require that people eat vegetables with lunch and dinner. However, I also don't require that they supplement to the point where they get 50 grams of fiber a day because I think that's excessive. Um, I'm a little more even keel with that. Um, I like to see people eat protein at at their meals, uh, which is a pretty basic statement, but more or less an animal protein. Um, Further, I also like no carbs in the AM and I like to train between lunch and dinner. So we'll start with training. So you train, post-workout, great dinner uh you start winding down you start going to bed i like everybody to have carbs at dinner and if you're afraid to eat carbs it's a because you don't train or b because you have no discipline Um, uh a no carb diet excluding you know the the highly specialized stage competitors yeah uh is in my opinion uh a little bit misguided for a approach to take for a long term like oh i'm just going to avoid carbs for the rest of my life completely mm, yeah yep. uh, you know maybe that's not the best approach so you eat a little carbs with dinner that way you get to sleep yep um you know at some point in the night uh those carbs start to wear off you got to have a little metabolic flexibility to oxidize a little bit of fat with that said i like to keep the fat train rolling uh and go with the good old beaten up breakfast and that's just one way there's a million ways to conquer a protein and fat with breakfast and in my opinion this this expands the 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 metabolic flexibility if you will between using fat and carbohydrate for fuel within it within a day as opposed to say mario di pasquale who does it uh five or six days on then then one refeed yeah. Great approach. I love it. I love his diet, but I think this is just more conducive to something that you could do for the the rest, the remainder yeah. of your life. Yeah. Well, term, um, yeah. At lunchtime, again, you're going to train between lunch and dinner. That process starts slowing down, so it's time for carbs, and you have a training session coming up. So I'm not a huge fan of, for general health, training in a glycogen depleted state, especially if they're going to step into. Uh, one of my CrossFit workouts yep. or any, any form of intense weight training. So I like to have a little bit of carbs, not to say that they got to, you know, uh, sip on carbs while they work out. Have yep. a little bit of carbs with lunch, gives you a couple hours to uh, digest those carbs, everything absorb, yep. boom, you're in your workout and it's the next day. Beautiful. Yep. I would uh, I would be inclined to uh, I think with what I do at this point in time is pretty close to what you're running there, mate. I, I really like the sound of all that. It makes perfect sense to me. What about any supplementation, Jeff? You know, like once they sort of uh, yeah. get their head around that, and you're looking to tweak things a little further, do you do you dip into the tool bag of supplements at all? 
Absolutely, absolutely. And supplements are, are somewhat of a tricky thing in that the quality of the supplement, in my opinion, is more important than the actual supplement that you're taking. Um, yeah. And the case being like using Wolfgang's essential amino acid complex uh, with the electrolytes, I can't, I can't recall the name, versus yeah, using, uh, I don't know, fill in the blank. Every, I don't want to bash any brands out there, so I don't want to call anyone out, but a very, very low quality one. Yep. Um, I would almost rather you take the wrong thing in an optimal amount and the right uh, frequency than take the right thing. With that said, um, I am a fan of carbs. So given that it's appropriate, uh, the workout window is probably where I would start with nutrition. Yeah. yeah. Or excuse me, uh, uh, supplements. So you do like, uh, if you were going to supplement some aminos around training, you know, whey protein post the, the basics for our supplementation around training? Yeah, so to start training, um, again, general fitness, um, not necessarily training for any one specific thing, um, more of a performance base. I like to, I like to give people as much aminos pre slash during training as they can. For example, if their budget can allow 30 grams of essential amino acids uh, pre and during training, that's awesome. Good for you. Let's let let's do that. And then and then post training, uh, a whey protein isolate with uh, some carbs. Um, nice. And in a lot of cases, we have a blender, so uh, it may not be the most fast acting carbohydrate but in a lot of cases i make the guys uh, a shake so i'll give them a whey protein isolate with a couple bananas and i know there's faster acting carbs out there but um you know guys really like it and it's really easy to get them to adhere to that when i when i when i make them a really good shake post-workout they feel like puking uh and it sits well in their stomach beautiful yeah beautiful what about aside from training supplementation? Do you like uh, some omega threes, multivitamin, uh, magnesium um, bedtime type thing? Yeah, and it depends on who we're talking for. If if we're going for a competitive athlete, um, I I basically uh, would package up their supplements before they would get everything based off their blood work. Boom, they're done. For your average person, depending on where they're starting, I would start them off with one of those basic pure encapsulation um, multi-packs that they have. If okay. they're, they're like three or four pills and they got, it's basically just a multivitamin. Yeah. Um, where I would go from there, if they were a little more committed, I like DHA. I'm not real big into the whole omega-3 thing. Um, I just think the research got started going in the direction of let's, let's get as much omega-3 as we can. Yeah. Um, to well, basically, you get a gram or two of DHA, and it's all good. Yep. Kind of maximize the benefits from that. You know, then people might say, ah, the anti-anti-inflammatory, uh, yada yada yada. Well, then my next question is, why are you why are you eating that shit in the first place? Well, like, let's so stop let's yeah. stop putting yeah. the bandaid on it and yep, yep, address yep. the real issue. Yes. Wanting to run before they can crawl. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yes. So, yeah, I, I like fish oil. That's one of them. I also really like magnesium. That's yeah. a great one. That's open-ended. Um, 
I, yeah. I like people to take as much of that as they can. Uh, zinc, D3, both okay. cheap and, and, and really easy uh, for people to, to take. Um, and then beyond that, I would I would hesitate to blindly make yep. supplement rec- recommendations yeah. without without getting some some hands on them and some some calipers and some blood work done. Yeah, hundred percent. That makes agree. perfect sense. You mentioned calipers there. Just to wrap things up, we'll get a bit of a, a wrap up from you in a second. But calipers, you you do the biostig out of uh, the biprint out of um, Trident there. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, for sure. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. Well, that's pretty comprehensive, Jeff. I mean, and. If we look, have a look at that list, Rawdon, start with uh, your water, get that sorted out, yep. get some fat for breakfast, fats, yep. veggies with lunch and dinner, protein at each meal, nice stay away simple. from carbs in the AM, pack your carbs in around training and dinner, Yep. some aminos and some uh, carbs maybe during training, some whey with some fruit well, post-workout, yep. a little bit of fish oil, some magnesium, some zinc and D3, that's pretty textbook Mate, stuff. That's dotting your I's and crossing you've got everything there, awesome. Jeff, one final question as we wrap things up. I know that Dr. Dominique D'Agostino has done some work yeah, looking ketosis. at oral ketones for um, you know Navy SEALs to spend all that time underwater with the closed circuit oxygen rebreather and all that yep. kind of stuff. Like, Stop seizures or something. I'm assuming that what they do now in Special Forces and, and the SEALs is probably a bit more advanced than what you were doing back in 2000. Do you think that's a front which is going to keep developing and, and, and pushing boundaries? Performance, yeah. Well, you know, it, to get back at, at, at the whole circle point, uh, the, the ketones, I have experience with those. Um, and, and I think it's, it's a cool, promising thing. In terms of uh, closed circuit, the whole concept there being that it, it's a whole aerobic thing. And I think, uh, you know, Volek in his, in his research has, has proven that you can do a really good job of, of uh, taking those ketones in ketosis and increased uh, aerobic capacity, capacity yeah. in, in lack of a better term. Um, I think it's really cool. I think the follow through of making it actually happen in your typical operator's diet and life yeah. might be difficult. Right. Example being, uh, say you just got back from deployment wherever, you're eating MREs, you, you, yeah. you are, you've completely lost any ability to oxidize fat. You, you have nutrient depletion like it's going out of style yep. you come back and they want you to do this uh closed circuit breathing apparatus for for most for the people that don't know what that is that's that's pure oxygen and it, and it recycles through a scrub or a canister called soft no lime takes out co2 uh and then continually adds oxygen in so you're you're, you're breathing pure o2 um, how long from that deployment until you're actually at an effective level of fat oxidization where you can be optimal in yeah. that setting? May that not, standpoint, it's tough. Yeah, it's it may not, not be practical. It's not practical. Interesting. But I think the concept and, and where they're going with it is, is completely awesome. And if they can pull off the logistics of okay, we're actually just going to pay attention to nutrition more. That way you don't get in that depleted state. state yes. Well, then that alleviates that concern. And now now we're in awesome territory. But those liquid ketones literally taste like moonshine. Oh, yeah. yeah I've, <laughs> oh, my goodness. Those yeah, are terrible. Heard. So <laughs> I don't know how much you're going to get get a guy to take in a, in a given period. Yeah. But, uh, hey. Yeah, oh, we'll just drink they it. They work. I'll and empty that. the bottle. 
Jeff, um, okay, well, mate, thank you so much for your time. If people are interested in doing the uh, Thrive course, where can they find you? It's at gymnasticsbodies.com. Gymnasticsbodies.com. And right. uh, I notice on the, the Trident Athletics, you do work online as well. If, uh, if our listeners do want to, um, I mean, I certainly uh, would, would enjoy being coached by a Navy SEAL. You know, just the fact that you've uh, been a Navy SEAL would, uh, much like getting coached by Poliquin, you know, yeah. they, you, do, you say something and I do it. Um, for our listeners that do want to be involved uh, with you online, can they do that? Absolutely. So you can drop a line to the website or you can just contact me personally. I'm, I'm really good about getting back to people uh, within 24 hours. Um, I'm glued to my phone. So <laughs> my email is jeff at tridentathletics.com. The same as the website. Okay, perfect. Sounds great. Maybe have to get you, uh, of course, I uh, you know, dangle the carrot to all our listeners. But have you been down to Down Under, mate? Have you been down to Australia before? No, you know what? Uh, when my wife and I started talking about this this podcast with you guys, she is dying to get down there, and oh, I well, really, mate. really wanted to come down there for the Milo Sarsev uh, camp that you guys had. Oh yeah, it was it was just in the thick of NFL offseason training, and yeah, I, I, I can't leave during that time. Well, so. my, mate, rumors have it that uh, Mr. Sarsev is coming back out this year, so maybe we'll have to. Uh, Maybe get you down under a bit of a, a, a spoken word uh, seminar of some description to cover your expenses and you can slide into the Milos camp or something. Oh man, I'd love that. I'd like to see the, the countryside too. I was there um, jumping with your guys, or skydiving with your guys' special forces, but I literally flew in from Guam, <laughs> landed on the airfield, met, met the guys, all really good guys. We jumped all day long, we did seven jumps. And then I left, and that's all I saw of the wow. entire country. Yeah. But you would have seen all the so, kangaroos leaping around and koala bears yeah, crawling along the uh, airstrip, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> all, all right, Jeff, let's uh, let's wrap things up there. Awesome uh, having a chat with you, and uh, hopefully we'll uh, talk again soon in the near future. All right, thank you. Thanks for your time, Jeff. Thanks, mate. See you, mate. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. There he was. Jeff yeah, interesting Servin. guy. Interesting guy, hey? Yeah, very likable. Yes. I like him. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, he's a Navy SEAL. I'm going to like him anyway. Exactly. Who doesn't like a Navy SEAL? The person on the other side of the door that he's about to kick in. Yes, yeah. look out. Exciting if stuff. He's, if he's undernourished, doesn't matter. Mm. He's coming in no matter what. Mm. He gets it done. Mate, what about that? the Navy SEALs when they're in their full training get-up consuming 10,000 calories a day. Yeah, Incredible. but you'd imagine like their energy expenditure would be Being phenomenal. Enormous. So that, uh, that makes sense. I like I mean, it is relevant. They do make sure they have enough food. Uh, that's obviously a big yeah. part of what they do, but yep. um, but left up to their own device and uh, interesting. And look, for his approach towards uh, general population, really a good process of nice. fundamentals and setting everything up for success there. Like okay. his approach. I think I mentioned to you uh, before we went to air with him, you know, it's the type of thing where, hey, I'm going to prep someone, bang, I'm done. All right, now go check out Thrive, Jeff, Jeff Severin. Yeah. Boom get on the Thrive program and then uh, you know most of my clients would 
dot I's cross T's the first few and they'll be into the latter phases of, of, of the program but certainly to establish uh, long-term uh, nutritional patterns I think it's a good go-to yeah absolutely uh, Dan Garner I thought he was fascinating once again with his protein yeah, the guy's um, a genius we'll work our way through the macronutrients with him mm-hmm. and uh, obviously mate I think probably the takeaway from what you and I do is that um, you know let's get that first month down pat and uh, establish some baseline <laughs> oh, oh baseline oh, dearie me yeah. Um, and uh, and then you figure out what the, what the body's going to do, and be open with your client about that process as well. You yeah, know? and 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 have some transparency. Like everything I do, it's a process, and I'm completely clear with what I'm doing. Yep. Before I pinch, well, three things are going to happen. You're going to be the same. You're going to put fat on. You're going to lose fat. It doesn't yep. really matter. You're in control, and I think that's really important for uh, the guys and, uh, and girls out there that are coaches. That, 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 that you are always fundamentally in control. Mm. Put fat on, doesn't matter. You're going to lose fat. Yep. You know, that has been the podcast. Feel free yes. to send us an email to podcast at iconph.com.au. Talk to you guys soon.